All right, you can flip your bulletins back over. We're in the last week of a sermon series called Protect This House. Next week we start a new sermon series called Clean Living in a Dirty World. We're going to be going through the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And so start making plans to, to, to invite your, your family and your friends. It's going to be a good month of, of getting into God's Word and seeing how He speaks to us and Him changing people's lives forever, just like He does every week at our church. We're so lucky uh, that, that God is a part of what, what we do. And so, uh, But this, this week we're ending our sermon series uh, called Protect This House. And we've been going through different things. Last week I we talked about protect this house from distractions, and so today I want to talk to you about disease. But before we do, just to make sure you're awake, when I say we will, you're supposed to say something. Ready? We will. All right, so that's pretty good. We are going to protect this house. The, the whole point of this sermon series is churches, uh, they need to be aware specifically our church, we need to be aware about our church that as we grow and as we continue to move forward in what God has called us to do, that all sorts of, uh, 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 of distractions and disunity and, and, and watering down the gospel and, and just different things are going to come our way. And so it's just kind of been uh, getting us prepared. You won't recognize what you're not taught to, to see. And so last week it was basically, hey, listen, if the devil can't get you to be bad, he's going to get you to be distracted. And I said, I, he's going to get you to be distracted with relationships. He's going to get you distracted with job opportunities. He's going to get you distracted with, with life. And so I kind of gave you some things, some ways to kind of deal with that distraction. Today I want to talk to you about disease. And, and this, this kind of comes uh, from the book of Galatians. We're going to go there in a second. But this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 about what we do. Because a lot of times I think people don't really have any idea about why they're at church. Like, you've you just kind of been in church your whole life, you go and you do your thing, you go to Mass, and, or you go to a Protestant church, and we don't really call it Mass, but it's similar to Mass, and so sometimes people come from Catholic churches and they say, we really enjoyed your Mass, and we get what you mean, you mean you enjoyed your experience at Journey Church, and so we go and we do certain things. At our church, you sing, you sing a couple songs, and you, maybe you put a tip in the offering bucket, or maybe you're really serious about your faith, and you, you, know, you, you put God first in your finances, and you give 10%, and you serve, and, and all that stuff, but in the midst of even all that, we tend to forget why we do what we do. So sometimes you should just go back to the Bible and understand uh, the gospel, the good news, which is what we are called to spread. In Ephesians 2, it says, in order that in the coming ages, in verse number 7, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace uh, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And watch this, verse number 8. For it's by grace you have been saved. That's a great, great, great scripture of promise. For it's, it's not because of you that you're here, but it's by grace that you've been saved. And then it keeps going. It says this, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works so that no man can boast. In other words, why are we here? We're here because of the grace of God. How do we get to the grace of God? Through faith, not by works. In other words, you didn't do a certain amount of things to get God to be okay with you. God did everything through his son, Jesus Christ, and you've come to him by a free gift from God. That's what we celebrate today. When you come to church, you're celebrating the free gift of God. When you're a part of a church, you're, part, you're supposed to be part of something when you're giving the free gift of God. Sadly, what happens a lot of times in churches, and, and as we talk, I, I, I want to remind you, we're talking about our church. And so I don't want you to start thinking about your mom and dad's church or, or some other church that maybe you think doesn't do it as well as us. I want to talk to our church because what typically happens in all churches, including our church, is we start to forget why we exist. We start to forget that we're about the gospel, the grace of God by faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. We start boasting about our works. We take away the faith faith and grace, and we make it about something, something else. It's like us going into Chick-fil-A and ordering a hamburger, right? Like that, 
that's going to get you in, like, it, Chick-fil-A's not going to go, you know what, you're right, we, we want to keep the customer happy, so let me call up Wendy's or whatever fast food thing, and we'll put a bun on it, but we'll give you a burger. No, Chick-fil-A says to you, you know, pound dirt. If you want a, a, a hamburger, go somewhere else. In fact, we're going to close on Sunday, even though everybody craves Chick-fil-A on, on Sunday, right? And so we're going to close on Sunday. We only cook chicken. That's all we cook. We'll give you some salad and stuff so you feel healthy, but it's going to have chicken on top of it. Many times in churches, they come in and people want different things. They want a religious uh, experience. They want, a, they want certain preferences. They want that. And the truth is, the church needs to say, we are only about the gospel. We'll only be about the gospel. We're about the grace of God by faith, not by works. It's a free gift so that no man can boast. So that's kind of the battle that the church faces. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 1, and I'm going to show you this battle in flesh and blood or in color in the Bible, in the book of Galatians, just so you kind of know what's going on here, is Paul has started a church in Galatia. And just like all the other churches, he started a church and then he kind of writes back to them, most of them trying to reestablish an idea that he had already taught them because they began to be distracted. This is what the Bible says in in Galatians chapter 1. He says, I am astonished that you so quickly are deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ Jesus and are turning to a different gospel. that's That's a real fear. I'm astonished that you've forgotten what the gospel, what's the gospel? The gospel is the grace of God through faith in Jesus, not by works, so that no man can, can boast. It's God meeting us at, at our worst, not us giving God our, our best. That, that, that's, the, that's a difference. It, it's not we do, it's, it's he's done. And he's saying, I can't believe I gave you this gospel. It's good news. It's the best news ever. And now you're, you're perverting it. That's what the Bible's going to say. He says, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. He keeps going. He says, but even if we, we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Verse 10 says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or I'm try- am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not or could not be a servant of Christ. In other words, there's this battle going on in the church. And let me explain to you kind of what's happening in the church of Galatia. Galatia. There's, this, there's this battle going on with these men called the Judaizers. The Judaizers, well, they came along and they would, they, they would teach stuff like, like, Paul's pretty cool, and what he taught is pretty good, and Jesus is a good guy, but... We get this grace thing, and we get that you just have to believe by faith. It's a free gift from God. But on top of that, all men have to be circumcised. Now, to give you some background on that, there was a time when God made a covenant with the, with the Jewish people, and one of the signs of the covenant is on a certain day after a, a, a newborn boy was born, they would circumcise him. It was a, it was a covenant where, where they were set apart for, for a specific purpose, and the specific purpose was God was going to bring the Messiah through them to this world, which was Jesus. But after Jesus came, he says, it is finished. No longer are we following God through rules and regulations. We get to God through the gospel. And so the gospel is, is itself complete, and now they're coming and saying, no, no. No, every guy who follows Jesus, who comes to church, doesn't matter if you're 35 years old, you've kind of already... You're already past that stage. You have to get circumcised. And so I, I can't imagine if you could kind of understand this new believers class. You would come to, you know, pizza with the pastors and you would come in and, and, and then they would give you a couple slices of pizza and then they would take a slice of you. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, like that wouldn't really preach. It's hard enough to get people to get baptized or to get people to get to church on time. But now, now Paul is, is having to deal with these people that are saying, hey, you come in, 
We'll set up an appointment. We'll do the business. And then, because of you giving us some of yourself, you know, you're in. Paul says, don't pervert the gospel. Or in other words, in Greek, the word actually means don't, don't poison the gospel. Anytime you add anything to the gospel, you wreck the gospel. Anytime you add anything to the gospel, whether it's personal preference, whether it's this is the way we've always done it, whether it's style, anytime you add something to the gospel, which say, okay, here's a step, and then here's three more steps, then you actually pervert it. I'll give you an example. There was a mom one time, her son wanted to go to a, uh, a rated R movie, and the mom said, no, you can't go. And he said, it's not that big of a deal, mom, it's just a rated R movie. There's only a couple curse words in it, there's only a little bit of nudity, you know how we do with, with sin, we kind of just, you know, it's only a little bit, it's only, it's only gives a little glimmer of, uh, 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 of nudity, and it's not that big of a deal. And she says, let me, let me cook you some brownies. So she cooks him some brownies, and she's, she feeds them to him, and he's eating the brownies. And she said, I forgot to tell you what the, what the ingredients are. And he said, I know what the ingredients are. They're eggs, and they're, uh, they're, there's brownie batter, and there's, and, and there's butter. I can taste the butter. And she said, yeah, that, there's all those things. I also went out to Sammy's uh, to poo, and I put a little bit of poo in the in the brownies, uh, but you don't worry, you can't taste it, because everything else is kind of mixed in, it's not that big of a deal, and he spit them out, and he said, how can you feed me dog poo, and she said, exactly, exactly, you're going to go, you're just going to put a little bit of poo in your life, and, and we do that with the gospel, we, 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 we eat the gospel, we take it in, and then we try to add stuff to it, and we go, it's not that big of a deal, and Paul says, it's a huge deal, you're circumcising people. That's a big deal. You're, you're telling people they need to do certain things. They need to dress a certain way. They need to raise their hands a certain way. They need to cut their hair a certain way. They need to wear denim. You're telling the ladies they need to wear skirts that are a certain length, and they need to wear things on their head. And, and, and you're telling, you're tell, we're telling you, hey, if you want to come to this church, you have to listen to loud music. You have to like bass. You have to like Eminem before service on the speaker as you're walking in. You know you can get in trouble when you start going down that, that path. I don't know if you've ever been on, on Facebook, and I'm sure you have in your life. But if you don't know if you've ever been on Facebook and you're, you're going through Facebook, and as you're scrolling through, there'll be like an article. It seems like there's articles all the time, and it'll be like, here's some signs of you're dying of cancer. <laughs> and put your hand up if you've clicked on one of those in the past. Someone put your hand up. Nobody in this place. You guys are all liars, man. Like, here's a sign that you're going to hell. You don't put your hand up. When the preacher asks you to put your hand up. So anyway, so uh, I'll click on those articles and I'll read them. And I don't know if you're like me. All of a sudden you're like, I got every one of these signs. Like uh, I've had extreme weight, extreme weight gain, right? It has nothing to do with all the brownies that I've eaten, the not the poo ones, and the, and the dollar, 99 cents, iced coffees that I've drank twice a day for the last 25 days because they're only 99 cents. Nothing to do with that. I've, or extreme weight loss. That has nothing to do with, with me, you know, me exercising. Or, or, or you have tingling in your, in your arm, your right arm, all of a sudden your arm stuck. Like, you ever been there? You read that and you have signs? I, I, I want to give you some signs that, that you, you're, you're experiencing the disease that happens in people's souls. And I don't want you, listen, I don't want you to think about somebody else's church. I, I want you to deal with yourself. Hear me, I don't, I don't, I'm not preaching to another church. It's happened to other churches, and it's happened to other church people. But listen, many times when you are not aware of it happening to yourself, what you'll do is instead you'll point the, the picture somewhere else. So I want you to look at your own life, and I want you to hear these three maybe, maybe steps to being a Christian full of disease. A Christian full of the gospel plus whatever. The perversion of the gospel in your, la- in your life. Why are you saved? Through grace, by faith. 
not by works, so that no man can boast. In other words, the only thing you should do is be talking about Jesus, never talking about how good you've been to Jesus. Here's number one. Here's how you know you're in a diseased church or you are a diseased Christian. Number one is a diseased church is filled with people who lack true joy. They, they come in and they look like their dog just died or their cat. When they walk to church, it looks like they're going to a funeral, not, not a celebration. Like you go through life and everything is, is over, you take yourself over seriously. You're, everything is a big deal. Everything is, is always kind of hard. Going to church is kind of a struggle for you. Like it, if you, when you're going, it's like, okay, I didn't go last week or the week before, so I'm going to get there when I get there. And it's just kind of miserable to you. It's, it's what many Christians have called a legalistic mentality where, where you kind of keep a checklist of things that you do for, for God and, and try to keep him happy, but you're never really happy doing it. I'll give you an example. If you grew up in a household like this, you, you grew up in an extremely miserable situation. Though your parents loved you, or maybe you thought they loved you, or maybe you didn't know they loved you, if you weren't sure of the fact that they loved you, you actually grew up in a very religious house where you were always trying to get them to love you. Always trying to do the right thing. Always trying to get them to see you. When they weren't looking, you never did the right thing because you weren't going to get credit for doing the right thing. That's religion. And what it actually ends up doing, it actually ends up making you miserable. You see, when you know about your parents' love and you just kind of live in their love and you know they got the best in mind for you, you know they're not going anywhere, all of a sudden it creates joy in your life and joy in your home. And it doesn't mean you never mess up, but there's a joy in that place. You take that out, all of a sudden it's a miserable place to live. Same is true for for you and Jesus. When you forget that he loves you, not based on what you do, when you start to understand that God is not looking down on you trying to get you all the time, but God actually has what's best for you in mind, and even when you fail, that he's not angry with you, that his heart's actually breaking for you because you're walking away from his promises. And he wants nothing more than to bring you back to him so that he can accomplish great things through your life. See, you know that you're, 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 you're becoming diseased when you lose your joy. I don't know if you've ever had this conversation. I have, I've had it a bunch of times with, with, with people because of the, the line of work that I'm in, but I, I have a hard time telling people what I do that don't go to church because there's this, there's this common misconception about what I do, right? So it'll be like, we're talking, hey, my name's Steve, your name's this, and the, the, next, converse, the next question in every conversation is, what do you do for a living, right? So I'll ask them and tell me they're a plumber, they're an electric, electrician, they're a lawyer, whatever, and they'll say, what do you do? And I hate to tell them. Sometimes I tell them, you know, I'm a ninja, against demons, right? Sometimes I tell them I'm a motivational speaker. Sometimes I tell them I only work one day a week. I'm unemployed. And so sometimes I tell them stuff like that, right? That's what some of you think. And so anyway, <laughs> when you tell them you're a pastor, what, what, what happens? You can ask any pastor in this room. It's, it'll be like, okay, I'll see you later. Every once in a while, people will be like, have, they'll be real with you. And they'll be like, oh, I hate, I hate church people. And I'll be like, so do I. <laughs> They'll be like, no, 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 I hate, I hate religious people. I hate people that are, that are they're just, they seem so miserable. And I'll be like, so do I. And they'll be like, well, you're, you're a religious person. And I'll, and I'll say to them, no, I'm not. And I say, what do you mean you're not religious? I'll say, I'm not religious because religion, it actually makes you more miserable. It makes it about you constantly doing the right thing when the right person is watching. But if that person is not watching, then you don't do the right thing. You kind of live in this, the middle ground of never really being okay with God. And you kind of are following rules, crossing your fingers, dotting your T's and all that stuff. And making sure that God's all right with you. I said, I don't live life like that. 
I have joy in my heart because of what Jesus has done for me, that it's not about me. That's religion. Religion is, is about me. And so I kind of explain all that stuff to him. And they usually go, whatever, you're an idiot, I'm leaving, right? But I try to explain to them, listen, I, I don't like that either. I, I don't believe that that's the way God intended. God sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins in our place. And he did that at the expense of himself so that we can have a relationship with him by faith, with grace, not by works, so that no man can boast. And we walk in this place, we've given this gift, this amazing gift. The Bible says it's like finding a pearl in a field and going back and selling everything else and coming back to get the field, right? Like that's how exciting the kingdom of God is and we come in every week. Like it's a funeral. That's what the Bible says in the book of, of Romans 14. He says, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. Verse 16 goes on to say, Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. Watch this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Remember that song if you grew up in church? Righteousness. Peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm singing it all morning. I'm thinking, righteousness, peace. And, uh, you remember that song? No? I'll give you an example of what happens when, when, you, when, you, when you don't have joy in your life. We, we, got, we had the opportunity. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't easy. We had the opportunity to do, Lawrence, to do Lawrence Memorial Service a few weeks ago. You guys remember that? We went through that. It was a really hard time. But we sat and we stood before 800 people. And I told you, I've never been part of a funeral like that and, and, and a celebration service. And at the end, I just felt like God was like, give, a, give an altar call. And so we came up, we did an altar call, and a bunch of people responded to the gospel. And I was just, it was, it was sad, but it was also glorious. Like, they spoke about how, how Lauren was an organ donor. And she also, at that moment, she donated her legacy uh, of her faith and allowed us to speak about Jesus at her funeral, and that was kind of the, uh, the focus of it, and I, I believe that she not only donated her organs, but she allowed uh, her life and her death uh, through, through the kind of direction of the family to impact people's eternities, and it was just an incredible thing to be a part of. So we walk out in the lobby, and I'm, I'm, ex I'm ex I mean, it's, you can't be excited after a funeral, but I'm like excited. I'm like, that was crazy awesome, and that was exciting. And these two people walked up, older people. I'm not sure if they, how they knew Lauren, but they had the, that, that face on. You know that, that face that, that religious people get? We'll call it the fart face, you know what I'm saying? They come out, they start talking, they got this, this, this real serious face on. Like, I'm excited about what just happened. And they walk out, and they shake my hand. And the first thing that the old guy says to me, she says, I don't like your music. I was like, what did you say? I don't like, the music was way too loud. Now listen, I get it, because that's what happens to us all. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, just so you know, you're, you're aware of what happens to us. We come into the world thinking it's all about us, and as we get older, and I'm going to speak for myself, we begin to think again, it's all about, about us. We turn back into little kids. So, so here is 21 people or something crazy like that respond to the gospel. And here's this old guy who tells me he's been in church this long and he's blah, 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 blah. And he has his fart face on, you know what I'm saying? And he's just really mad. And he says, I don't like your music. And I said, okay. And then he said to me, he said, and I just hope those 21 people meant it when they raised their hand. And he walked away. And I was like, how do you get there? 
Like, how do you come out of a funeral with a name of, listen, most funerals are about the person that died. Like, that's the focus of the funeral. Look what they did. Look what they accomplished. And the truth is, if it, that person's in heaven, they don't want to talk about themselves at their funeral, just so you know. Because all they care about is getting everybody they know to where they're at. That's it. We don't want to talk about the boat or the accomplishments or the art or whatever else. We want to talk about Jesus. And we talked about Jesus and people got saved. And you want to come out and tell me with your fart face on. I don't like your music. And I hope they meant it. People say that sometimes even in church. How do you know people mean it? And I always tell them, I don't know if people mean it. All my job is to get people close to Jesus. And if people get close to Jesus, Jesus will change people. But please don't lose your, your joy. Your joy in coming to church, your joy in seeing Jesus move, your joy in the gospel that God has saved you not because you were good. And listen, he doesn't keep you saved because you're good, but you stay saved by grace, through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast because it's a gift from God. Don't lose your joy. You know you're getting diseased when you start to come in this place and you got the, you got the fart face on. So anyway, number two. A diseased church focuses on the external rather than the internal. Jesus dealt with this in his, in, his, in his time. There's a group of people called the Pharisees, and you might have heard of the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not lie, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not covet, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, like put him first, like those are the Ten Commandments, like don't have an idol, any idols before me. But the, at, the, at that time, the Pharisees, they had 613 commands they followed. Like, they were religious, you talk like, like we, we're, we're JV compared to them. Like anything we did, they, they one-upped us on. You, you ever hear the, of the Jesus juke? They did it all the time. So you come in and say, Jesus is doing things in my life, and they would come in and be like, Jesus has done much more. In fact, look at everything I've done for Jesus. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 25. He says, then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they, they preach. How do we ever get to the place where, where what you do on the outside is more important than who you are on the inside? How do you, how do you get there? How, how do you get there where, where it's more important with what people say about you than it is what God knows about you? How do we get to the point where we can come and sit in church and, and, and play that game, yet there's things in our lives that, that the Lord knows are there, and we are more concerned with with the appearance of, of holiness than we are with the sin that's eating us away. I'll tell you how. It says, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. In other words, they come and they sit in church, but they never serve. They never do anything for the Lord. They never give. They never sacrifice any time, but they're here in church. They're religious. They have time for that. They have time to, to be seen. They don't ever do anything that's not going to be seen. He keeps going, he says this, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Just so you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says to wear uh, the word of God, put it on your mind, keep it wherever, where you can see it. And they took, that, they took that literally and they made this box that's called a phylactery, but they just kept making them bigger and bigger. So these men used to walk around with these big, these big boxes tied to their head uh, and, and, and in it was a scroll with scripture on it. In other words, they were telling everybody, look at how big my phylactery is. Look how much I love Jesus. Like, it's kind of inappropriate, you know what I'm saying? And so 
then they wore these long tassels, and they just kept making them longer and longer and longer. In other words, they would walk around, they would just swing their tassels around and, and flash their, their phylacteries and all this stuff. And I know this is not going where it's supposed to go right now, but stick with me. They were all about the external, not about the internal. Jesus goes on to say about them, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You're hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Some of you say, I, love, I don't like hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is somebody who makes the gospel about themselves where they will always fail and always have to hide things. That's a hypocrite. We try to give full disclosure here that we're not good people. I try to let you know weekly of, of failing, failures in my own life so you are fully aware that I don't stand here because of anything I accomplished, but I only stand here because of everything Jesus has accomplished in my life. Like, he's good. He saved me by grace, through faith, right? Not by works, so that no one can boast. You need in diseased churches, you start to focus on the, the outside. In other words, the Pharisees were all about that face. About that face, no treble. One of my favorite stories about this is because churches typically go this way. It's about a, a beat-up, tattooed, dirty young man who one day walked into a church. It was kind of an older-fashioned church. They were, a lot of people were dressed up, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you understand that Jesus does not require your Sunday best. If you don't have church clothes, there's, there is no dress code at church. We just say cover up your privates, please. In our world, you probably have to put that out there, I'm just saying. So anyway, but there's no dress clothes, there's no church clothes, there's no church music, there's no church style, but he came into a, you know, more traditional church. They were singing hymns, everybody was dressed up, and it was packed that day. And he comes walking in, because he's at the end of his road. And he looks for a seat, and you know what, in externally focused churches, because they're worried about where they sit and how they look and what they're dressing, no one notices this man. He takes a look around at the pews, and he can't find a seat, and so he begins to wander down the main aisle. Now, there's one man there who's been there for years. He's an elder. He's given much money to the church, and people look at him. They look up to him. So the man sees this young man walking down the aisle, tattooed, dirty, smelly, looking for a seat, not really knowing what he's going to do. And he keeps walking, and he keeps walking, and as the singing's going, he ends up right down in the front, standing in the aisle because he has no seat because no one will move. Everybody's just busy looking at him. You don't look right. What are you in our church for? Somebody get this guy some zest. He has tattoos. Give him a sports coat so you can't see his tattoos because Leviticus says tattoos are of the devil. Let's not talk about everybody in this room that's overweight, not glutton, gluttonizing and all that stuff. Let's not worry about that. Let's worry about tattoos because religion, disease religion always worries about the outside, not about the inside. Song stops and the preacher gets up to start preaching and, and the, the man just sits on the floor Indian style right there. He's not in a seat. He needs Jesus, though. The preacher begins to talk, and he's thinking to himself, because honestly, he doesn't want anything bad to happen to this man, but he's thinking something bad's about to happen to this man. And so just about that time, old man, Elder Charlie, makes his way up to the, to the man, and the preacher stops preaching. Because he's thinking, he's about to yell at him. I don't want to get in trouble by Charlie because he's been an elder of the church forever, so I've got to stop preaching. Steps back to watch what's going to happen. Everybody is on the edge of their seat going, this is going to be good. He's about to preach to this young man and tell him about his tattoos and all that other stuff and get him out of this church and make sure he gets cleaned up before he comes back. And old man Charlie and his crinky knees, he gets up to him 
he puts his arm on his shoulder, and people think, here it comes. And what he does is he gets his legs positioned, and he sits down Indian style beside this man, and he puts his arm around him, and he pats him on the shoulder. And the pastor looks down at him, and he says, I don't need to preach anymore. He just walks off the stage. That's your sermon for today. The message was, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what you brought into this place, no matter how you look, the word about the internal, not the external. You see, here's what I understand. You can fake it forever, but if Jesus changes the inside, the outside will start to be affected. It will start to be changed. But please don't be a person who begins to believe that God is superly concerned with everything you do out here. He's concerned with how you dress. He's concerned with how you do your hair. He's concerned with what fabric that you make. He's concerned with all this other stuff, and yet your heart, your heart's far from him. Jesus said that's just like the religious leaders. They follow all the rules. They're a whitewashed tomb, but they're far from me. How do I know they're far from me? Because they won't lift a finger to help anybody. They won't serve. They don't care. Number three, the last thing that happens in diseased churches, I think, is diseased churches, they promote spiritual pride. Can you, can you let that sink in for a second, that word pride? And I, and I did when I prepared this message, and I thought to myself, as I was preparing it, the Holy Spirit said to me, we're talking to, to you, Pastor talking to you, because when you talk about pride, most of the time we always think, yeah, let me talk to my mom and dad's church, let me talk to, to my brother's church, let me talk to these other churches out there, you can't be talking to me, because I don't got no pride. And I started thinking about my life, and thinking about my conversation, and thinking about what I think about myself, and the way we do church, and thinking about how we're right. Can, can you hear me clearly, church, just so you know, as we preach this message, this message is not a protect this house, because because we're so much better than everybody else. This message is protect this house because we know what God has called us to do. But I said this at our black and white leadership night. I'm going to say it to you again. We, we, are, we are a church, but we're not the church. In other words, we're just one church. And this, this can affect us like it affects any other church. We can start to be prideful with the way we do things. Start to be prideful with, with what God has done in our church. Start to be prideful with, with, with what goes on here and how we're different and how... We don't water down the gospel. And here's the thing is you're saying we don't water down the gospel. And people leave here saying water down the gospel. And how our music is better than everybody else's. And how, how our church looks cooler than everybody. How we play Eminem. Everything's better. And all of a sudden, trust me, the pride starts to come. And we start to believe our own hype. And you know you have disease in your heart when all of a sudden you begin to have this prideful, arrogant aura about yourself or you think that you have arrived. I've been guilty of it. I don't want it in my church because here's the thing. The Bible says pride comes and then the fall. In other words, when you start believing your own hype, you start not understanding it's all about Jesus. You've been saved by grace, through faith, not by works, so that nobody can boast. It's a free gift from God that we didn't get to God, that he got to us. All of a sudden, he stops using you. Listen to what Jesus says as he dealt with this in Luke 18. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. How do you know you're prideful? You look down on everyone else. Some of you say, I don't look down on anyone else. You look down on other Christians. They don't do it like we do it. They're old-fashioned. They believe stupid stuff. They sing bad music. They sing old-fashioned stuff. They wear suits. We wear jeans. We're so much better than them. And all of a sudden, you begin to look down on, on everyone else. You begin to think your way is better than everyone else. 
Jesus told this parable, two men went up to the people to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I'm better than everybody else. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even get close to Jesus. Wouldn't even get close to God. He stands at a distance. Wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. People that look down at everyone else. How do you know you look down at everyone else? You come in and you say, God, thank you that I'm not like everybody else. When you receive a message like this, you think, man, thank God I'm not diseased like every other church. Thank God that I'm only about the gospel. And then God's saying, are you really only about the gospel? Because all you ever do is think about everybody else. This is what he said to me. You think about how everybody else is doing as good as, as you do it or is accomplishing what you're accomplishing or, or part of what you're a part of. Lose, lose the pride. See, we're going to fight this battle forever. It's been going on since the dawn of the church. Y'all, people say stuff like this. My, my pastor, he's a topical pastor. It means he preaches just kind of wherever he wants. Picks stuff out of the Bible. That's the way to do it. No, it's not. That's a way. If other people say stuff, my, my pastor preaches word for word out of the King James Version. That's the way to do it. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's your style. We have organ music. You know God loves organ music. No, he doesn't. That's your style. But we have smoke, smoke, smoke and fog and lights and bass. You know that's the way God does it. That's our style. And we dress our best. Okay, that's good. We wear jeans. Okay. We do communion every week. We speak in tongues. We know that we're right and you're wrong. We're Assemblies of God. They're Baptists. We're Presbyterian. Listen, you can't make it about a style. It's all about the message. Do you know the gospel today? The gospel is really simple as I close. It says in Romans 3, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the law, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But not apart from the law of righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There is no one different. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came to Jesus Christ. In other words, here's what church is about. You ready? Number one is this. Is you can't earn God's acceptance by following the law. Some people think that. The law is right and the law is good and I'm going to follow it and God's going to accept me. And Jesus says, I gave you the law so that you know you need a savior can't follow the law you've lied you've cheated you've stolen you've coveted you have idols number two is the purpose of the law is to show your need for a savior and watch this and righteousness with God comes only through faith in Jesus in, in, in other words biblical repentance is a reaction to God's kindness not an action to earn it you you meet God and he is kind to you when you don't deserve kindness through his son, Jesus Christ, and, and you react to that kindness. 
You don't meet God and he goes, okay, here's all the things you got to fix. And as you're fixing them, you're thinking you're better than everybody else because you're fixing all these things. And you're walking around going, look how awesome that I am because God says I'm awesome and I've done this and I've given this and I've accomplished this. And God's going, no, you're just a Pharisee. You want a box to put on your head? You want a long tassel to wear? You want to accomplish that or do you want to understand the gospel? That the gospel is that I've received Jesus by grace through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. It's a free gift of God. And that is all we celebrate. When you stop celebrating the free gift of God, you'll stop having joy. When you stop celebrating the free gift of God, you'll start making it all about what you do out here and not about what Jesus is doing in here. And ultimately, you'll start being prideful. And listen, pride comes before the fall. And when you have pride, you are, you are as much like Satan as you've ever been before. That's the sin that caused Satan to fall from heaven, pride. I'm better than God. I think I can do what God can do. And all of a sudden, he has pride and he has fallen from the grace of God. Pride destroys your relationship with God. Pride destroys churches. Would you stand with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? And would you pray, God, protect me. Protect me. You know what's so neat about by understanding the gospel, when you understand the gospel, your worship changes. When you understand the gospel, your joy changes. When you understand the gospel, your demeanor changes. When you understand the gospel, you've been saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. It was a gift from God. All of a sudden, everything about you is just different. You start to invite people to church in a different way. Why? Because God can save them by grace through faith. You start to judge people differently. You start to see them not as someone who is far from God based on appearances. But you start to see them as a child of God that can be saved by the grace of God when they get in the presence of God. And all of a sudden you're doing everything you can to get them into the presence of God. See, I love the gospel. I love to talk about it. I also know that you have to fight to keep the gospel in the the front of the focus of your church at Limerick and, and in, here in Phoenixville and watching online don't grow away from the gospel I've often heard church people say okay I got saved now what now what what else do I got to do you got to grow in the understanding of the gospel you got to gain strength in how you hold on to the gospel for some of you you've been so close to Jesus for too long that you've forgotten the gospel you got saved by grace, but you stay saved by works. Here's how you know you stay saved by works. is every time you mess up, it takes you a while to come back to Jesus because you have to clean yourself up before you get back there. That's how you know you weren't saved by grace. He saved you at your lowest. And listen, even when you mess up and you fall short, the Bible says where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Grace was not given to you at your, your best, and you don't keep grace close to you because of your, your best. You were given a gift of God at your lowest. Some of you need to get back to that. You need to get back to the time you met Jesus. You need to get back to the time you experienced Jesus. You need to get back to the time that, that he saved you. Some of you have never been there yet. You've never been to that spot. Just so you are well aware of the man who wrote this passage that I read to you today. As he was a murderer. He was murdering Christians. He was stoning them. He was a bad dude. 
Not only that, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious zealot. He knew scripture, but he didn't know God. And Jesus met him on a road to Damascus as he was going to do more damage. And he changed his heart right there. And he became a great missionary for God. He meets the murderer. And he turns him into the missionary. He meets the addict. He meets the abused. He meets the neglected. He meets the the person that's angry. He meets the gossip. He meets the person who's full of resentment. He meets the person who can't stop cutting themselves. He meets the person who is numb to this world. He meets you at your lowest. It's the grace of God. Your job is to follow him and believe in him by faith. That means maybe you don't fully understand it. And maybe you don't, you've never even heard it before. But it's by faith. I'm believing in Jesus, the Bible says. And the gospel is simple. That Jesus died for your sins. In your place, on a cross. 2,000 years ago, this church thing got started. Jesus rose from the dead. And he met his disciples. They were kind of confused as to why that they were doing what they were doing. And Jesus gave them this command. Go everywhere and tell everyone about me. I died for people. I rose for people. And now people can live through me. They don't have to be slave to their sin any longer. And they don't get to God through religion. I got to them. Tell everyone. So now we do that every week at Journey Church. We take every moment to tell every person who walks through our door. I consider it a privilege and an honor, friend, at both of our campuses to talk to you about Jesus. And I believe that Jesus set up this meeting with you in this moment, May 31st, 2015. And the Bible says that the way you respond to Jesus is you repent and you confess and you believe that he is Lord. And the free gift of salvation, salvation is Jesus comes in, he takes your past, he takes your present, and he takes your future. He forgives your past, he redeems your present, and he secures your future. And when you die, if you know Christ, that you'll meet God in heaven, not because you were a good person on this earth, but because you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. But not only does Jesus save you for eternity, but the Bible says he comes to bring life and life to the fullest. He gives you a reason to be on this earth. The greatest day of your life, friend, is the day you realize that God put you here for a reason. Maybe that's your moment. Jesus saves people by grace, through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is the gift of God. If you're in this place with nobody looking around at a limerick camp, say, you know what, I don't have the gift of God. I've never prayed the prayer. We call it the sinner's prayer. I'm far from God. I felt broken and lost. I never put my faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I'm going to do that. I'm going to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And when you begin to pray, the Bible says that he is closer than a brother. He listens to you right now. He loves you so much. He's responding to your, your prayer. If you turn your eyes towards Jesus, you're going to see him today. He's going to meet you in this moment. And I believe he's going to change you. He can do more in one moment than all the other moments in your life up to this point. You're tired of being an addict. You're tired of being broken. You're tired of being hurt. You're tired of searching. The Bible says, come if you're weary. And I'll give you rest. If you're in this place and you say, you know what, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to confess him as my Lord and Savior. You're doing the same thing many have already done in this place. They've come into this place and they've experienced the grace of God. And they responded to it. 
that's you in this place, would you just simply uh, shoot your hand up in the air and say, you know what, I need to make Jesus uh, the Lord of my life today. I don't have a relationship with, with him. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life right now in this moment. I need to accept the grace of God by putting my faith in him. And this is not because I'm working to get to him, but he worked to get to me. I don't get to boast about myself, but for the rest of my life, I'm going to boast about the Lord. I'm going to talk about what he's done for me. Is there anybody else say, Pastor, that's me, that's me, that's me. Would you pray, church? And, and, and as we're praying, I want you to picture heaven with me. Sometimes we do this every week, and people respond every week, and we kind of we forget that every time somebody responds to the gospel, that heaven stops and rejoices every, every single time. So if you raise your hand in this place or at our Limerick campus, I want you to picture heaven. Heaven is cheering you home. It's an amazing concept that you are one of a billion but God knows you personally, and he created you for a reason. So as you respond, I don't want you to picture that. I don't want you to understand there's a church family here rejoicing with you. Would you pray, and would you picture that church family as we rejoice? Would you rejoice with heaven? Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for this time. We thank you for those that are responding to the gospel message. Lord, let this never, ever be something that grows old. Just like we sang, Lord, our sin and our shame, they're great, but you're greater. You're greater. You're more powerful. Lord, we came into this place, and we remember the moment we were lost and we were broken, but you saved us by grace, grace through our faith, not by works so that no man can boast. This is the gift of God. Lord, that gift is being received by people in this room right now. It's not being received because of anything we accomplished. We're just responding to it. Jesus, I need you to save me. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I believe that message was, was put into existence 2,000 years ago, and it's been carried by the church up until this point in time to reach me. And Father, you have changed in me right now, Jesus. I thank you for dying for my, my sins. I thank you for being buried in a tomb, and on the third day, I believe that you rose from the dead, and it's through your death, burial, and resurrection that I've received new life, Lord. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for the promise of salvation. I thank you this is the best day of my life because this is the day that I realize why I've been put on this earth, Lord. Jesus, would you just speak to them and encourage them and strengthen them? Lord, as a church, we just celebrate right now. All over this place, we just celebrate. We celebrate what you've done. We celebrate what you continue to do. We th we're thankful that we get to be a part of that, Lord. It's not about our church. We are not a the church. We are just a church. But you've called us to a mission to reach those not yet here. And so let us stay focused on what you've called us to do. Let us not be about ourselves. Let us not be about the outside. But let us concentrate on our hearts, Lord. Lord, give us the joy that the Bible says, unspeakable joy, not a happiness. We know we're going to go through this life and there's going to be situations that are not happy, but a joy, Lord. A joy that is not dependent on what we're going through, but a joy that's been built on who you are, Jesus. So we thank, we thank you for that. We worship you with that mindset. We walk out of this place remembering that. We go to work with the joy of the Lord. We take care of our children with the joy of the Lord. We stick it out in that marriage with the joy of the Lord, Father. We drive down the road with the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength, Lord. So I thank you for that. I thank you for what you've accomplished in this place. Be with us the rest of this week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, would you clap with me?